Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Hot Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Falling too fast to prepare for this. Tripping in the world could be dangerous. Everybody circling his vultures. Negative, nepotist. Everybody waiting for the fall of man. Everybody praying for the end of times. Everybody hoping they could be the one. I was born to run. I was born for this. Whip, whip, run me like a race horse. Pull me like a rip cord. Break me down and build me up. I wanna be the slip, slip. Word upon your lip, lip. Rather that you rip, rip. Break me down and build me up. Whatever it takes. Razorback fans, thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 97 of the Hog Talk Podcast. My name is Kyle Sutherland alongside Porter Hayes. We thank you guys, as always, for joining us. And if you have not already, please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can find us anywhere you listen. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, we are there. Got a good bit of stuff to talk about today. Of course, uh, it was a loaded week last week with a couple of commitments, a couple of big-time commitments that we've gotten uh, as of last Monday and also uh, the – the big one that we were going to talk about is A.J. Green, the running back out of Tulsa Union, who was supposed to commit today as of as of the day that we were recording on Sunday, uh, but moved that back to Friday. And so uh, he is committed to the Razorbacks, the highest rated recruit that we have so far, and we'll get into that. And uh, Porter, again, like I said, uh, a very loaded week. A couple of guys got drafted in the MLB, which we'll, we'll touch on some of the things that are going on there. But what, what was your initial reaction of Kerstad going number two overall? Well, I mean, <clears throat> we thought, you know, we, we all knew in Razorback Nation how good he was. We just didn't know how, you know, how high up he would go. I mean, those reports at seventh, of course, our buddy Phil Elson was wanting him to go seventh with the Pittsburgh Pirates in seven to 17 range. But, and also with this fifth five rounds of the draft, you didn't know where, you know, are they going to take a chance on somebody because they're so limited on the rounds? So I didn't expect the number two overall. And I don't know unless they're insiders and they had inside information that he was going to go that high, but man, they, they definitely got a, a good get with Kerstad and Baltimore Orioles just picked up one of the best fan bases in the nation. Yeah, and some of it said that they they did like him, of course, otherwise they wouldn't have, have taken him that high. But some of it was because possibly to save a little money, and they they really thought a lot of his value. I I thought personally that it was going to be at at the least he was going to go number nine to the Rockies. The Rockies allegedly, as I said on the live show the other night, uh, apparently were not super high on drafting any of the pitchers, even though they do need some pitching within the top 10 picks. So they would have gone with him had he been available. But of course the Razorbacks also lost a couple of their signees and Tink Hintz and uh, Tink Hintz and Mason Wynn were drafted by the, my St. Louis Cardinals. So I was pretty happy about that 
And uh, David Calabrese, the outfielder from Canada, uh, got picked up by the Los Angeles Angels. So uh, those three guys, it was expected that we were probably going to lose them and maybe one or two more. Uh, so I guess in a way, the five rounds actually did us a favor with some of our recruiting class because we're gonna we're only going to lose three at this point. But uh, the biggest shocker was Casey Martin did drop quite a bit. I, I think that we knew he wasn't going to be a first rounder. We There were some mock drafts that had him projected there still. But the big question is with, with Casey Opitz. Now, he did mention the other night after the draft that he was coming back. But you bring in the two grad transfers. And now Dominic Tamez did transfer out. He's entered the transfer portal. But we're still going to have a pretty – we're going to be very loaded at, at catcher. So it's going to be very interesting to see if any of those guys end up maybe going somewhere else. Yeah, it was a huge surprise because, I mean, I mean, he's got a killer arm. And I don't know what, I mean, unless it's his batting, you know, his his hitting ability hinders him. But other than that, like his fielding and his, just the, how he picks people off at second. I mean, it's it's crazy that he didn't go in the top five rounds. And, and then with Martin, his drop, I think with, with Kerstad, this season, I mean, how he just was on fire this season, boosted his draft stock. And I think in the end, it hurt Martin with his his inability to get things going this year. And I think that's really what hurt him. So, I mean, the shortened season did it help Kerstad, but then again, it, it definitely hurt Martin on his draft stock. So we'll, we'll all see what happens, you know, especially with the MLB and they're not wanting to play and, you know, just can't get anything agreed on. And, next year the the new bargaining agreement comes out so i mean the the future of major league baseball is kind of up in the air of what's going to happen one thing i wanted to touch on with opitz that i i feel like is a little bit of a misconception i saw a lot on twitter about how it was just very disrespectful that i believe it was 10 catchers that were selected and him not being one of them I think that he is the best defensive catcher in the game. Now, he did get a lot more patient. At the, he's always been pretty patient at the plate, but I think this year uh, he stepped that up a lot more and had a couple of really good games. I, I believe it was against – I cannot remember what team it was. Uh, maybe it was in the first weekend, but he went like four for six with uh, almost hit for the cycle. I think he was just maybe a triple away from doing that. But what I was getting at is I think that – the misconception that I was pointing to, it wasn't necessarily a disrespect thing that he wasn't drafted from what I had been given. Some of the information that I had been told was there were teams calling him during the draft, but the money wasn't right. They couldn't agree on that. So he probably would have been picked, but he felt like he was worth more money than some of the teams were offering him. And then of course he wasn't going to sign for the $20,000 as he had said. Now I was not aware of that. Uh, when I did the live show the other night, I was talking to you guys in the discord with a couple of uh, our listeners and I'll just be straight up. I did not know that he said that he was coming back. I thought that he was gone regardless just because he had already said his goodbyes on Twitter after the season was canceled. And it's, it's really not, yeah, you don't want to sign for that low of money when you can come back to school and, and, and up your stock. So I get that whole thing, but whenever somebody goes undrafted or if they get drafted late, there's another misconception that it's really a bad thing. And yeah, it's not ideal, but he's going to get his shot. No question. I think next year he's going to come back uh, with just a force and you talk about not running, not ever running on him. You mentioned how good he was at throwing people out at second. 
next year, I think he's going to have just an absolute breakout season. He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he's already just made so much improvement since he's been on campus. So well, I, I'm very excited. And, and the thing with, you know, minor league baseball, you know, it's you're better off, honestly, if you go the late round, you know, you're going to have to go to single A or double A and then work your way up to triple A and then go to the majors. You know, you might as well just come back to Fayetteville. I mean, Dave Van Horde has openly said, don't leave for under 2 million, you know? So, and, and you got to, especially with them building new facilities in the, I mean, I've stated this many a times before when it comes to baseball, you know, you're getting better nutrition, you're getting better physical training, you're getting better everything at the university of Arkansas compared to going to the minors. Now, other schools, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what their facilities are like, but just Arkansas in general, I mean, unless you're just a first round or second round pick, and you know you're going to go like to a triple-A team and then possibly work your way up, it, it's definitely worth going. But other than that, man, I think he's just going to thrive with the full season. He's got that chip on his shoulder that I didn't get drafted. And it wasn't, you know, a, a slap in the face to him because, I mean, yeah, of course people wanted him. It was just it wasn't worth the money of going off and doing that grind of a minor league baseball season when you can come back and, be welcomed back with open arms to your fans and, and really kind of rebound from that, I guess, disappointing season because how they were doing midway through before everything got canceled. So I'm excited for him to come back. I'll touch real quick and uh, spent a good bit of time on this on the live show the other night. Uh, as I mentioned just a second ago, Friday, a four-star running back. Now some people, have, some schools, I believe, OU, and Michigan uh, were recruiting him at defensive back. But A.J. Green, uh, the four-star running back out of Tulsa Union, 111th player overall, number three in Oklahoma. Uh, he was Friday, and then the, the Monday previous to that, Raheem Rocket Sanders, which we've talked about, the 26th-ranked athlete overall uh, in the entire country out of Rockledge, Florida. And, Porter, I've said so many times, I feel like every time we get a recruit or we get a commit – that I just I just love the fact of how this staff is is not getting a player that is just awesome at one position. It seems like they just continue to rack up football players. And Lucas Coley was also another commit as well that I, I almost forgot to mention, uh, the quarterback out of Cornerstone Christian in San Antonio, Texas. But Landon Rogers, Raheem Sanders, Rocket Sanders, AJ Green, I mean, all these guys they they can play so many different positions and with the coaching staff that we have in place right now, I still don't expect it to be realistically. I don't see this team winning more than four games. I just don't. It's a, it's a pretty tough schedule. You're going to start off against uh, a really tough Nevada team. Now that's not to say that we're not going to have some games that we're extremely excited about, like that we see a lot of great competition. It might come down to the final couple of plays and they lose, but I just, I still think that we're at least one recruiting class away from really seriously being able to compete in the SEC. But overall, uh, these guys have just done a phenomenal job. I think they're eighth in the SEC right now, 29th in the entire country with the 11 commits. So what, what did you think of the guys that they were able to get earlier this week? Oh man, it's, it's, he's opening up a pipeline that everybody's been sleeping on. You know, everybody's talked about, you know, Florida and Texas and Georgia, you know, Sam Pittman coming from Georgia. They thought, you know, we'll, we'll get some guys out of Georgia and then we need to get in Texas. They're opening up this Oklahoma pipeline and there's a lot of good talent in Tulsa. You know, you got Jinx union, broken arrow. I mean, all them schools right there, just in that 
Tulsa metro area that produce a lot of good talent. Booker T's got a good football program. I mean, you start creeping over into that Oklahoma State territory, OU territory, but you, a lot of people forget how, just how close the Tulsa area is from Fayetteville. I mean, it's not far at all. And especially with Sam Pittman being from Grove, I mean, that's his backyard. So, I mean, to get a four-star running back like he got, and he's getting guys to fully commit. I mean, that's the thing that's really caught my eye is when he gets these guys, they're 100% in. And, yeah, like you said, they might only win four games. But, I mean, he's starting off on the right track and getting players that – they're not these settling for these two-star athletes or these three-star. I mean, they're getting four-star caliber guys that I really feel with the with the coaching staff with Odom and Bryles, they're going to be able to develop these three- and four-star guys into some killer athletes by the time they get on campus. Staying on the college football subject, that was another – thing that I talked about on the live show the other night was Pete Thamel had released a story from Yahoo Sports that the NCAA Oversight Committee did pass the six-week preseason plan. What's going to get the official vote uh, as of this coming Wednesday? So whenever some listen to this, it might have already happened. But just a quick rundown, and I want I, I kind of gave my opinions on it, which I think it's brilliant. I want to get yours, but I'll run down through kind of just the basics for those that might have missed it. Coaches can have access to players by July 13th, and that'll be July 6th for teams that are playing in week zero, so the week before Labor Day. Uh, And that'll be eight hours per week. By July 24th, OTA walkthroughs will begin, and they'll be able to, they'll be allotted uh, 20 hours per week at that point. Now, that'll be broken down into eight hours of weight training, six hours of walkthroughs, and six hours in meetings. A point that I made about that is I imagine that they're going to be pretty flexible about that so long as they don't over they don't go over the 20 hours if coaches want to maybe take an hour away from walkthroughs and do 9 hours of weight training i don't see that being a problem i imagine that'll be one of the things that they're going to be allowed to do and then by august 7th regular training camp will begin until the season starts now porter we know how incompetent the NCAA is. So I'm really, as as much as this makes sense, it would almost make too much sense for it to actually happen just because of the decisions that, that they tend to make. What, what do you think of this plan? I, I, I just think it's perfect. I mean, yeah, if, if things don't keep climbing, like they've been, we live, you know, Fayetteville's in the area that has the biggest second wave spike in the state. I mean, you got places yeah. like Houston that have, canceled their their program for now you know because they had players tested there's players at clemson we had the players at a state so i mean yeah it's it, it's all good the plan's great but i'm i'm really concerned about this this uptick in and the the virus and the cases that are going up especially in northwest arkansas so i mean we they can set this plan but i'm tell i don't know how many players you know because they said that you know, if certain players say a quarterback gets tested positive, now they're going to trace back to his contacts and they're going to be quarantined as well. So that I'm kind of I'm more worried about this second wave that's going on than I was the initial because, I mean, it's it's so rampant up in Fayetteville when it comes. But with the NCAA, I mean, they know how important because NCAA is a business, sure. which just, you know, th- this is a business decision. You know, they're wanting to get steps intact that they can get a six-week plan so they can have a football season. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's just 
when you like you said before it, it sounds like it's too good to be true well it they're wanting to make sure that their products out on the field so they can continue making money and that's that's my take on it you know but we'll, we'll see within the next couple of weeks i mean because all it takes is two or three players to test positive and you don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the otas and the weightlifting and are, are they going to go back so we'll, we'll see how all this plays out but if if Fayetteville was in a different area right now i wouldn't be too concerned about it but with just with i mean 700 and something cases in one day i mean it's it's starting to get pretty bad up there yeah you bring up a good point there because i know that at benton and washington counties it, it is extremely like because there was there was like over a couple of hundred cases at just the tyson one of the tyson plants i believe is what i saw so it's that is definitely something that's going to be taken into consideration maybe that and that was another good point i thought you brought up is it might maybe in certain places this might be set into set into place maybe not houston since houston did cancel for now maybe not arkansas because of what is going on up in the northwest part of the state so yeah we're, we're a few days away from that and uh definitely going to be extremely interesting to see that we're going to get into the the meat of what <laughs> i think a lot of people are wanting to talk about right now and that's what's going on with former razorback coach current linebackers coach for the new york giants brett bielema if you haven't heard this, basically what happened is he filed a lawsuit uh, this previous Friday against the Razorback Foundation demanding $7 million for the alleged breach of his contract now or his buyout. If, if you don't remember when Jeff Long gave him the extension after the 2014 Texas Bowl, the buyout was initially $15 million at that time, and it got lowered to $12 million, which of course would be $320,000 installments over the course of however many months paid to him through December of this year. Now he had already made 4.2 million. So that's why they're at, I guess it was, what's the math 7.6 left or something like that. I think that's uh, which, what he's suing for seven. Right. He's suing, he's suing for the 7.6 because yeah. they wanted the 4 million back. And that's, it's just causing a whole thing. Really, really what it boils down to is he was going to get sued either. Like, so he was either going to have to give the money back or he's not going to make anything at all. So that's why he went ahead and did this. Now, you, the, the automatic the automatic response to this, and I know that that's kind of how I was. I was hanging out with some buddies last night, and we talked about this for pretty much at length, is if they do go to trial over this, which I think it's going to get settled. I really do. I think that it's going to just end up getting settled. They're probably not even going to go to trial over it. If they do in Washington County, I don't care how good your defense attorney is, which he's got a damn good one on Thomas Mars, the same one that represented and really brought the hammer down on Ole Miss for Houston Nuts termination from there. He's got a very, very solid attorney, but I think that it's going to be extremely difficult to persuade a jury in Washington County who's who bleed Razorback Red to have any kind take his side in any way. I just don't see that happening. So Porter, I think it's going to be settled. I, I, I think it can get, it's going to get messy at, at some points, but at the end of the day, um, he's, he might not have to pay anything back, but I don't think he's going to end up making anything. Well, and, and I think he'll get something. I think if he's asking for seven, it, but it, it all depends on what each side can prove. Now, if, if the U of a or the, the Razorback foundation, can prove that he lowballed on on some jobs just so he could get the payment from the Razorback Foundation. If there's proof there that he did that, then he has no case. But if there's no proof, if, if he really took jobs and that's how much they paid him, and and 
the, the Razorback Foundation owes him that money, then they're going to pay him. But, yeah, I, I believe he'll settle. It's not going to go to trial. I, I think they'll – because, I mean, they're still paying – you know, they had to pay Coach Morris's buyout. You know, they're having to pay Bielema. Now they're – you know, they got Coach Pittman. I mean, they're out. So I think in, in the PR department of it, they're wanting to try to get this done, get this washed, because there's no sports going on. So this is going to be the main focus – for everything going on right now until they settle. So I think they're wanting to get this done and, and settle out of court, but it all depends on, on who's how greedy, you know, Bielema is, how much of it he really wants to get from this. If he really stands his ground and his lawyer thinks he deserves all 7 million of it, then yeah, it could get messy, but I I don't see it going to trial. He, Whenever he took that job with the Patriots, it did kind of seem like, yeah, he's just pretty much going through the motions. And I think that we all can agree on that. That's essentially what happened. But I thought that his lawyer made a pretty good point that he he was actively searching for jobs. I, I believe he was he had interviewed for the Colorado job and maybe one or two others that were a little bit smaller. But I really think I, I would have a hard time believing that he'll ever be a head coach again because I feel that his reputation is that he just got lazy. It, it was almost like if he, he first of all, he was really bad when it came. He, he got some good recruits while he was here, but he was really bad about not offering, not taking a chance on a kid, not offering them a scholarship if he didn't feel like that they were going to commit. And then it's like if they chose somewhere else, we saw, we saw this with Joseph Patu in 2016, and oh, I can't, his name's slipping my mind. I think Tyree Cleveland, uh, the receiver that was number two in the nation, ended up going to Florida. Just completely childish about stuff like that. And then, of course, when Sam Pittman decided to leave, I, I thought that he handled that pretty poorly. But I feel that just his reputation, and I could be wrong, but what I feel that it is is that he really couldn't do much without Barry Alvarez looking over his shoulder at Wisconsin. And he did have a lot of success at Wisconsin. I thought that he was going to do great things at Arkansas, and he did do some good things. Again, he did get some solid recruits. I mean, Denver Kirkland, Alex Collins, Frank Ragnow, there's there's more that you can name, Jonathan Williams. But at the end of his tenure, he was just lazy. And they did have, especially in 2017 – there were quite a few injuries. Uh, I will say that he got a bad break with that. But the, one of the other things that I, I noticed, too, um, there was his lawyer is trying to basically say that there was false information put out there that was allegedly leaked to Wally Hall for one of his columns uh, that really hurt his chances at getting a head coaching job just because of some of the things that were said about him. So that's, that is something that his lawyer will definitely use. And I, I didn't read too much into this, but I think there was also something they were using uh, Butch Jones's his, whenever he had got fired from Tennessee and then went to be an analyst at Alabama, uh, there was something about how his, salary was much lower than Bielema. So they're using that to their advantage. But yeah, really at the end of the day, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to this, but essentially I I feel that most people are kind of like you and I, and that they do think that it will just be settled at some point and it'll just be history. Yeah. And you know, you were stating before about his last couple of years. I mean, he did get lazy and, you know, had a kid and, you know, he had that, uh, being Brett Bielema show, you know, he had everything that was going on. that was just, distracting him and it's kind of similar to you know what everybody was saying about coach morris and going to the you know taking the helicopters down to his son's games i mean if you're not winning they're going to cherry pick every single little thing you're doing if you're winning they ain't gonna say nothing about it 
But when you're doing those things and you're not winning, they're like, well, maybe you need to step away from that kind of stuff and focus more on your football team. And in the end, it, it, it both led to their demise. Yeah, and I, I do hate that it's gone this way because I, I genuinely think that Brett Bielema is a good guy. He is a little childish. He does pop his mouth off. But, I mean, he seems like he seems like he's a great father. I think that he was a great father figure to a lot of his kids and seems just like a, a cool guy to sit and talk to. Um, I've never personally met him. I've seen him. I've never met him. But I, I hate that it's gone this direction because I, he did, again, as I said, do some good things. But also – kind of understand why he is doing this because he was going to get sued. So that, that's really all I have to say about it. I mean, that's pretty much the only details that we have right now. Pete Thamel that I'd mentioned earlier uh, with the NCAA oversight committee, um, he, he wrote a pretty good story about this. And there's also a couple of other really good articles. Sports Illustrated has a really good one as well that I actually got a lot of my information from. So um, it, it'll definitely be a developing story. That's really about the extent that we know of it right now. But I think that will do it uh, for another ep- for episode 97 of the Hog Talk podcast, guys. Uh, we, we're not too far away from sports. Uh, I, th- I think that we definitely uh, will be having, even if <laughs> fans are not in the stands, that we should be having college football. So uh, we had a lot of content put out over the last week or so, and and we are back on Instagram. Uh, we haven't left per se. We just haven't been posting on there. But my, uh, myself and Porter have. Uh, been pretty active on there the last week or so with with the commitments and stuff going on and so make sure you follow us at the hog talk on there and of course we're on twitter and facebook which i'm sure most of you follow us on there and so uh guys thank you as always so much for listening uh for porter hayes my name's kyle sutherland we'll catch you next time listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube